Hey, if you got your Bibles, we're in John chapter 4, your iPhones, whatever you may be using, the scripture, that's great. John chapter 4. Hey, I'm glad to be here with you this morning on this Labor Day weekend. I mean, you guys are the faithful ones. I mean, you, not as faithful as 9 o'clock, by the way, um, but you know, for 10, 11 o'clock, that's really good. You should give yourself a, a hand on that one, you know? Only the faithful are here on Labor Day weekend. No, I'm joking. Don't, don't tell the rest of the group that. Hey, um, I've only been here about two and a half months now. And when I first got here, I had several people say to me, man, you know, you preached well back in July, which there's a little problem because I didn't preach in July. Um, and so, you know, I kind of just looked at them and just said, you know, thanks um, to that. So they, they said again, they said, man, you preach even as early as last week, had a guy down here go, man, you preached so well, you got me all fired up back in July. And so I didn't want to make him feel bad, so I just kind of said, I appreciate that. It was a good sermon, wasn't it, you know? And he said, yeah. I said, yeah, I thought, I thought it was great, too. There's one little problem, though. Man, I'm not Damien Boyd, though. Um, and so I think it's, we had his picture up on the screen. Yeah, I'm not him. Um, there's a big difference between him and, and me. Um, as Steve Ville said to me recently, he goes, well, from, you know, here up, there's a video. And from here down, there really isn't mine. And I said, thanks, Steve. Um, Appreciate that, sort of. Um, but we're not the same, okay? So if I said to you, thanks um, for complimenting me on a sermon that I didn't preach, I just want to apologize up front on, on that one, all right? Because uh, I'm, I'm not him, and Damien's a, a great, great guy, but I'm a much better speaker than him, though, you know? Um, so, you know, <laughs> joking, it's really joking. You'll see at the end, you'll, yeah, you really are joking. Um, you really are. Um, I'll never forget going to my father-in-law at the time, uh, still not the time, we still is my father-in-law, by the way. He's come to the third service here. He said to my wife last night, because she's usually here at nine o'clock, he said, you know, he goes, well, hey, I'm going to give mine, a, you know, two shots to get it right, and I'll come at 1245. I said, you know, thanks. Um, I'll never forget going to him asking for my wife, to asking my fiance at the time to be my wife, and him looking at me with this like long pause, it seemed like it seemed like 10 hours, really. It was really just a minute, but it was kind of fearful. I said, hey, I, you know, I was looking and praying about this. I really feel like that Tiffany is the one, you know, I would like to ask you to give me the shot, you know, to be her, her husband. He looked at me, and, and you have to know him, and he just kind of just paused. I'm like, oh, this is not what you want to, like, happen, you know? Um, and he goes, well, if I have to, oh, No. You know, I mean, I'm thinking this is not supposed to be coming out this way. He goes, if, if I have to, my, you know, okay, I'll, I'll give you my blessings on this one. And so I did what all good sons, you know, do after that. I called, you know, my mom and um, just said, hey, you know, something just kind of went terribly wrong here, you know. And of course, like all moms do, she goes, well, you know, Mina, you're perfect. So I don't, I'm joking. <laughs> um, you know, you are the best son, because I only have one. Um, she goes, you know, Mana, let me just kind of tell you what, what happened there. I said, well, well, what? She goes, well, his daughter is priceless. He goes, and to him, man, there is no one that's going to ever be good enough to be her husband. No one. She goes, but um, you tell Mr. Cross um, that you are the best, though. You know, I'll never forget that, and that you're priceless, too. You know what I love about, about our God is that our relationship with him is priceless. That there is nothing at all that can even come close to, can even being remotely compared to, 
understanding his love for us. There's nothing that we can do that will ever change that. Man, he paid it all. We're going to take the Lord's Supper here at the end here. And when he gave his son, what he was really saying, saying is this, is that, man, between you and he, if you're a Christ follower, believer in Christ, it's priceless. It's, it's already done. You are worth to him more than what you could ever imagine. And this morning, if you get nothing out of what I'm saying, I want you to really walk out of here this morning. And when you hit the ground on Tuesday, back to work, that you will say to yourself, God, you are for me. You are with me. You are on my side on this one. Man, our relationship, if I'm a believer in Christ, it is priceless. You can count on it this morning. You don't have to wonder or worry about it or think about it. It is. He is who he says he is this morning. John chapter 4 is where we're at. We're going to pray. We're going to hit the ground running here. So here we go. Father God, I just want to thank you that you're already in the room. And God, there are men and women who are in the room this morning who do not have a relationship with you. God, I pray, Lord, they will not hear my words, but they will hear yours. Jesus, you are the main theme. It is all you this morning. We have come not for any other agenda, not to hold anybody else up. As Pastor Brian was praying this, this week, we are not here to glorify us. We are here to glorify you. It's all you. And so, God, the bottom line is my words are not on the line here because your words are, and it's already been proven. So, God, thank you what you're going to do here this morning. And in Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. John chapter 4, verse 1. Here we go. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea, returned, <laughs> returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria. Let's stop right here. There's a big interaction going on here between two people, Jesus and the unknown woman. Now, we do not know her name. We don't know who she is. It's one of the rare times in Scripture where it doesn't like give someone's like name to it. But we do know this, though, that they have an interaction that totally changes her life. Before I go any further, you know what I love about this story? We don't have to know her name because Jesus already does. And what I love about him is this is that we can put our name here in this story, literally, for all of us, we, we definitely could. And you know what? He would know our story too. What I love about Jesus is he is so personal with us that he knows everything about us before we even open up our mouths on something. Man, he already knows. He gets personal with this woman because he could have gone any other way, but he goes through this way instead. What our God will do in our lives is if we'll allow him to. He will go many different routes to get us to do what he really feels like and what you know you need to do to actually do. He's a personal God. And don't, don't ever forget that. There are 8,000 promises in the Bible, 8,000 of them that he's already like, not like withheld from us, that he's already given to us already. That means that there are about 22 verses, 22 promises a day that we can count on, one for almost every hour, in fact. And for some of us, I think we sometimes forget that he's given us those promises. When you get to work on, on Tuesday morning, when you hit the ground, you already have 8,000 promises from someone who's already filled the bank on that one. With this woman here, she's unknown to us, but she is very known to him. And they have an interaction that's unlike any other 
verse 7. We're going to skip down here just a little bit. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Let's stop right here. There's a couple things going on that should not be actually going on here. She was a Samaritan woman. He was, he was obviously Jesus, a man. And back then, in, in biblical days, men and women did not talk in public, and more so, even, even husbands and wives didn't even talk in public, in fact. I know some of you husbands and wives in the room are going, man, that would have been a good time to live. But we won't say amen to that one here in the room. So for him to be talking to her was a big deal, and even more so, man, he's alone on this one. I remember growing up as a child, and my mom and dad said, hey, man, I want to talk to you alone. If they dismissed everybody else, man, it was going to be pretty personal, in fact. I mean, he dismisses everyone because with our God, once again, with whatever we're going through this morning, you and he, that's all that matters to him. What I love about God is this, out of billions of people in the world, that he would know me so intimately is phenomenal to me. And this morning, whatever problem that that you are are, are going through, if you will turn it over to him, he can take care of it. They have this interaction with one another at the very unique time, unique place, because you know why? Because Jesus is about to cross every line, social, economically, I mean, gender-wise, physically. He crosses every line with this woman just to get to her. I was praying earlier about just, you know, my role here and reaching people for Christ. And sometimes I think I can, you know, get a little like, man, God, you know, that's kind of just, you know, man, this, this is so overwhelming. And God will just remind me, you know, my, man, I own it all. I did part the Red Sea, by the way. I got this. I got it. And some of you are laughing about that, but you know what? Though, you'll let whatever problem it is, man, stop you from doing what God's called you to actually, actually do. When he is the one who did he made it all. Number one this morning is this with this story is he is always there. He's there. No other religion can even, can even stack up to that. Every other religion, whoever they're worshiping, they're already dead and gone. Our God is alive. So because he is alive, he is, he's very alive and wants to be very alive in your circumstance. Our relationship with, with God is priceless because he loves us enough to hear from us. You see, I think many of us, we can sing these songs. They're great. We can, you know, even raise our hands to some of these songs. We can sing them in our car, in fact. Let me ask you a question, though. How much do you really believe what you're singing? No matter what you mean by that. Are you a Christian that, man, you trust God, accept, and you fill in the blank? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your kids. You know, you fill in the blank. Man, what are you not trusting God in totally? Listen here this morning, guys. God wants total trust in him. You go, man, I'm a little weak in that area. I don't, you know, just tell him about it. Just trust him on it. God wants you to trust him no matter what. With this woman here in verse 9, it gets very personal here. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And our, our translation is this. If you'd stop worrying about it and just give it to me, I'd give you the answer. It's that simple. 
Verse 11, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, Jesus said, and all this well, and I'm and, and, sorry, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he? And his son and his sons and his animals enjoyed. What she's really saying here is this, man, God, are you really all that? And we look at her and we go, man, that's just, you know, poor her. No wonder why we don't know her name. Can I be honest with you? We do the same thing. We'll get in a situation at work and we'll go, you know, man, God, you know, this boss or this supervisor or this person, man, can you really, you know, can you really make this happen? Or something, or something that you know God's asking you to do, you'll go, well, God, can this, is this really possible? I'll never forget, I got the phone call from Damian Boyd about coming here. And I thought back to 1997 when a young guy, I was in college at the time, much younger than him, still am, um, came in the room had a full head of hair at that, at that point in time. It was, it was all dark, in fact, at that point in time, too. And he came in the room, and he said, hey, I'm, you know, going to start a church in Dallas, Georgia. And I remember thinking, Dallas, like, where is that at, you know? Like, no, Dallas, Texas, but Dallas, like, okay. And I'm going to, to, to Atlanta, and I remember thinking, man, that, that sounds great to me. Church planning really wasn't a big thing as it is now, in fact. So I remember getting the call from Damien about coming here, and I remember thinking, man, God, can you really make this happen? Let me tell you guys something. What I had to do there at that Starbucks at that point in time, I didn't tell us to the last service. I had to literally just walk around and just go, God, if you can make it happen, it's all you. Like, I'm not going to manipulate this. I'm not going to try to make it happen. It's all you, God. For some of us, we try to make things happen. And what we're really doing is this. We're really taking on the role of God. You cannot make things happen to someone who made it all. Number three this morning is this. Our relationship with Christ is priceless because his truth never changes. My circumstances may change, but that does not change his character. I think sometimes we get a little kind of like, well, you know, if I'm frazzled, if I'm worried, then he must be too. No, quite the opposite. Our circumstances do not change his character. It does not change what he has already said he was going to do. Verse 16 Jesus gets very real here. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. Let me stop right here. Jesus would probably not would have been a very good pastor here in in America (laughs) because literally we sometimes want, you know, our leaders to kind of just kind of give us what we want to hear. And Jesus is not like that. That's what makes living and walking alongside of him sometimes difficult because it totally goes against what we actually want. Jesus gets honest with her. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. It's always, it's always amazing. When someone speaks the truth to me, I may get a little like mad at times you know, about it, but I don't know on the inside, man, that is true. And this morning, I wrestled with this point all week long on how to kind of bring this home here. For some of you, let me just ask you a question. Are you giving God your, your best? Or is it just kind of half best? Are you giving God everything that, that you know that he's called for you to do? I asked if I could share the story with a, a, a friend of mine. Um, I, had a, I had a great professor in seminary who was just a, just a great guy, and it's a well-known story now. 
But a couple of weeks ago, um, his name appeared on a list that honestly should not have actually appeared on. Ashley Madison, in fact. And he ended up taking his life. And his son at his funeral basically said to the folks who were there in the room, do not allow the enemy to keep you in secrecy and in shame. I thought it was really bold of a son who had just lost his dad. And let me just kind of say this to you. Whatever you're wrestling with this morning, God can bring freedom. And what the enemy will do is this. He'll get you in that little box of secrecy and shame, and he has no power unless we give it to him, by the way. And he'll try to start controlling us, in fact. And what he'll do is this. He'll get us in that box. He'll get us kind of, he'll deceive us, first of all, to actually get us there. And then he'll actually accuse us of actually being in the first place. And then he'll say this to you. If you tell anybody, you may lose it all. And you'd really be honest and ask, well, what would all be? You really couldn't really figure that out in the first place because here's the deal. Whatever sin you got yourself into, you cannot get yourself out of. Only God can. And he'll deceive, accuse, and then humiliate you. That's his game plan. He's not that creative, not that original. He doesn't have any other game plan. It's it's just this, to destroy you and I. That's it. He has no other game plan. So this morning, what well, I love about our church is there's no condemnation. And if you're in this room this morning, and you are, and if you're struggling with something, let me just, just be honest with you. Man, contact one of us here on staff, or before you leave this room, that people will be down here to, like, to actually pray with you, our connection desk is, as well. And you do not have to live in secrecy and shame. If you didn't get anything else that I say this morning, man, please get this. Christianity brings freedom. Christianity does not bring a bunch of regulations and rules and, hey, let's kind of just hide out from one another. You know, I, I'll usually know this. If I have to hide what I'm doing, that's a good indication I probably should not be doing it. With Christianity, it brings freedom. And if some of you this morning, you're in the room, you're kind of like, Oh, you know, man, I'm feeling a little un- uncomfortable. And it is the Holy Spirit trying to give you freedom. And the other side of it is, it's the enemy trying to keep you where you're at. He wants to bring destruction. Jesus walks into this woman's life and basically says, let me give you the truth and let me give you freedom. You see, here's the deal about Christianity. I think about any good sermon. You cannot just give hope. That's good and all, but you should also give, man, how to get out of this too. And this morning, man, there is freedom this morning. Hey, man, on that this morning, there's freedom. Number four this morning is this. Our lesson is priceless because of what he's already done. Um, I love Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. There are days that I'll look at this verse and I'll go, for I know the plans I have for mine I think it's good to kind of pray back God's word to him, not to remind him, but to remind you of the 8,000 promises that he's given us. For I know the plans I have, and fill in your name there. Because we serve a God who has not left us high and dry. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. 
When he declares something, it's a declaration. It's already done. Number four, once again, his price is because of what he's already done. Verse 25 and verse 26 tells us this. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. Let me kind of stop right here on this one. Um, I think sometimes as believers, we'll see everything kind of going on in life, and we'll get all so caught up in these things, and, I, and I, I've done it as well. Can I, can I just be honest with you? Man, we've already won. So in the end, we win. My daughter, who's almost three, um, I'll do something that Tiffany will tell me not to do with her, like throw up in the air, you know, that kind of type stuff. And I just pray, just come down safely. Um, and I'll just kind of do these things. And there's a word that I've, I've kind of getting a little tired of hearing, and it is, you all know this as parents, again. You know, it's like, oh, no, I started something. She'll go again. That's how Tiffany will usually know that we're doing something that we should not be doing in the house, by the way. And she'll say it over and over again. Sometimes I just want to just, just say to her, you know, hey, Zion, we've got all these other toys for you, to, for you to enjoy. This is not the only game in the house. For us, you know what's amazing to us? We'll see what God's done in the past, and we'll say, man, we want him to do that again. And we'll miss out on the things new and different that he wants to do now. See, we serve a God who's new and different every day. So how he worked in the past is not how he's probably going to work in the future. We can get so caught up on the last movement of God that we'll miss the one that he is in now. Our theme is his, his revive around here, revival. And I'm excited about it. As a, as a new guy, I'm very excited about it. And I'll hear some of you talking about, you know, the things of the past, which, which are just great. But I don't know about you, but I'm excited what God's going to do with this church coming down the line, though. Because he, if he's done that, which is great, Man, in the future, it's going to be way better than that. We serve a God who is new and different and who reminds us that he is the Messiah, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Boy, does she not know. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I'd have loved to have been, to have been there in this story. When she looks up and goes, this is why you are different. Now, I read this story several times. We just got done with, with this, this series on margin. It's amazing to me that everything in this woman's life changes because she has the margin to hear from God. Let me ask you, in, in your life, is there a time of the day where you're just going, you know, God, I, I just want to hear from you? Not from my friends or my spouse or who I think can, can control things. I want to hear from the one who's already controlled everything already. I want to hear from you. By the way, in this story, and I'll mention it now, there's a little bit of shame in this woman's life because she shows up at noontime and not in the morning primarily, which would have primarily would have been the time to actually go or in the late evening to, to most theologians because she's a little bit shameful that if other people would have saw her they would have been able to like point her out because even being married that many times back then was not a good thing. But when she finds him, she finds someone who brings no condemnation. She finds someone who gives her something that she has never seen before. Um, daily, when I drive on our campus here, I'll just go, God, we have, we have 18 different, really 20 if you count the ones coming up next month. We have 20 different mission opportunities 
coming our, our way here. And if you count the local stuff, many more than that. And my prayer for, for you is this, that when you encounter those people, that they will see someone that they have never seen before. They will meet people who they have been waiting on, in fact. When we get ready to go to, to Boston or Alaska or Guatemala or Burkina Faso, that they will see someone that they know is different. You see, but here's the deal, though. Jesus has to sit down one-on-one with us from time to time to give us the truth so that we can enjoy the freedom that he wants us to send to others, in fact, through him. Verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask. I love this point right here. I really want to, you know, I don't, I, I just, I laughed. I'm going, man, they're to ask because he's Jesus, probably. What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her jar, left her water jar. Stop right here. Look at that. Sometimes we go, oh, it's just a water jar. No big deal. No, no. It's like leaving your cell phone somewhere. For some of you, we'll talk about this later down the road. You're addicted. That's a whole other another, another sermon though. She leaves her water jar for us, like leaving our phone, and she runs and tells others about him. She leaves the very essence, really, and back then, to leave your water jar, man, that was life. We're going to Burkina Faso here in a a few months, and we take water for granted here. Man, for them, when they get the water, man, it is is a celebratory event, in fact, because something they've never seen. So she leaves the water jar, big deal back then, to go tell others about, about Christ. Let me ask you a question. What jar are you holding on to that you need to probably leave here this morning? What thing that God's calling you to do that you're going, I could never do that? What is the one thing that if you were to give it to him, you may be surprised? In fact, not maybe, you would be surprised. You see, some of us walk in this room with our own agendas that we just kind of go, well, you know what, man, this is what God's called me to do, and, and there's nothing else. And there are things that you know in your heart that God's called you to do that is, that is way bigger than, than you, and you're going, I, I don't know about that. Whatever that is, that is the water jar, by the way. So there she is. She leaves it because number five, here's number five, and we're done after, after this. Our set with Christ is priceless because he knows, he knows what we are capable of. He knows it. I'll never forget when I, when I sensed that God was calling me into the ministry. I'd watched other great guys, you know, do this, and I'd been around a lot of great youth pastors at, at the time. I remember thinking, I, I think God's calling me to do that, but I'm a huge stutterer, though, like big time. Uh, my cousin's here this morning. He'll, he'll t- you know, you ask him to tell you, he'll tell you a lot of great stories. And when people would call my house, I would literally just, like, be in shock um, because I just couldn't, I, even the word hello was a big deal. In fact, my, my friends would just go, hey, Mina, we already know it's you. All right, got it. Don't go any further. So when God called me to this, I remember thinking, well, you know, ministry, you have to talk, you have to talk in front of people. That's a kind of a part of it, obviously. There's no room for me in that, God. And with God, by the way, whatever water jar you're leaving behind here, his economy, there's always room. And so I'll never forget, um, some reason or another, I signed up for a speech one-on-one class. I don't know why I did it, maybe because it was 11 girls, so like three guys, I, I don't know. Um, 
I remember signing up for this class, getting in the class and realizing it's a speech class, big deal if you are a stutterer. And so I, I immediately called my small group leader, Rip Ratcliffe, who was a great influence in my life back then, just going, hey, Rip, we got a problem. He goes, what's going on? I go, I took a speech class. I remember him just going like silent on the phone and then going, you did what? He goes, Monty, you can't talk. I go, I know, I know. This conversation's hard, in fact. He goes, let me guess, girls. Right? I go, yeah, like all small group leaders, they, you know your students. He goes, I go, yeah, girls, how'd you know? He goes, I know you. He goes, hey, listen, Monty, get a sheet of paper. In fact, I remember him putting me on hold, telling me to go and get a sheet of paper and a pen. Went and got it. He goes, I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, this is going to be good. He goes, okay, Monty, I want you to write down zero plus God equals more than enough. And you're the zero. <laughs> Thanks for the encouragement, Fred. He goes, tomorrow, when you get to that podium, Mina, with your little note card, you have on there zero plus God is more than enough because he is the missing piece. I said, well, what do I do, Rip, when, you know, he goes, Mina, listen, I don't know what God's going to do because he's God, but I do know this, though. With him, all things are possible. And we, I remember saying this at the end, I forgot to tell the last group this, and we really need him to be possible tomorrow, don't we? I go, yeah, we really do. I remember getting to the podium, and, and, you know, back then there was no YouTube, thank God. Um, I remember getting to the podium and going, okay, and I remember looking down at that little, little index card, wish I would have saved it, going zero plus God equals more than enough. And I don't think I've spoken that clear since, in fact. For some of you, all, what God's asking you to do is just take the step. If you'll just take the step, You'll realize what this woman here realized, and you too will be able to leave whatever you think is important. Some of you here this morning, and you know what God's calling you to do, and man, you're so nervous about it because you may have to give up control, and that's okay. You go, what if it doesn't work? With God, all things are possible, so that's not even in the equation at all. Zero plus God is more than enough. Verse 29, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the villages to see him. I'm telling you, um, when we give up control and we realize our relationship with him is, is priceless, I mean, people will come running, not necessarily running maybe like literally, but they'll come flocking to us because they'll be so enamored with what we have. You know, I've been asked uh, from a lot of people, hey, what's it like being at Westridge? And, you know, man, the, the growth there and, man, why there and, and, and nowhere else? And I really can't answer that because I'm not God, obviously, or how he tends to move or not move. But I, I, I do think it's this, though, that with us here, man, there's no condemnation. It's the first church I've ever been a part of in a long time. In fact, it's probably since, since growing up where anyone can come and, man, we will walk with you into what you're dealing with. That you sit down with someone. I was with one of our leaders this week, and he was telling me a situation in their family. And, man, the grace I just saw out of him, I go, man, this is what makes Westridge great. There's no condemnation. With every head bow, please. We'll go a little bit old school here this morning. If you would say, Mina, man, I, 
I walked in with some stuff. Man, if, if you only knew, that's what the enemy will do, if you only knew. And he'll use that line to keep you in bondage, literally. And this morning, I just want to just kind of just reiterate that Christ brings freedom. And this morning, you would just say, you know, I need you to, just to pray for me. There's some of you here in the room this morning that you've not crossed the line of faith, that you've, you've, you've never, you've not gotten to the point of accepting him, and we're, we're willing to walk with you on that journey, by the way. But there will be some of you this morning, you're going, I think I'm ready to cross the line, mine. I, I'm ready. And there's some of you in the room this morning where you're just going, man, I need you just to pray for me because, man, I, I feel like I could be stuck knowing that Christ, is, Christ brings freedom. So you just raise your hand. You want me to just pray for you this morning before we, before we you know, move on to the next thing? You just raise your hand high so I can just pray for you. If you would say, I need you to pray for me, Mina, on, on this one. Raise it high so I can see you. I'm here to tell you, you may think, well, Mina, what's in raising a hand here? Man, it's the very first little step to freedom oftentimes and not. Raise it high so I can pray for you. Don't, I want you walking out of here going, you know, man, I wish I would have done that. But you would say, I just really need you. You need God to really kind of do what he says that he is. Father God, I thank you that there have been times I've been in seats like this where my hand should have gone up. And I'm thank you, thankful for the people who have the, the nerve and the guts to step out on faith and say, man, I got I to gotta raise my hand on this one. God, thank you that you're going you're gonna to show up in some small way. Maybe in their small group time, maybe with a connection person outside the door, maybe with someone here on, the, on our prayer team. But you're, you're going to show up because you are who you say that you are. And with you, what I love about you, God, there's no condemnation at all. None. That you bring freedom. And God, I thank you in advance for the people's lives in this room, that when they get ready to walk out of here, it's going to be a whole different step. Not easy, but different. And God, I thank you for the folks we're going to get a chance to encounter here as a body of believers that we're going to have the privilege to walk through. God, I thank you so much for this church. God, I pray, Lord, that we'll never change part of our, our core value in loving you and loving people. That anyone can come. I'm thankful that anyone, that the words me too, can be in that. And God, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've already done and what you're going to do. And in Jesus' name, amen.